Oh God, we pray you would reveal your glory. Show us yourself. Show us your beauty. That we might see who you are. That we might see your wonder, your majesty, your wisdom. And we might fall in love with you. Show us Christ. That's what we pray, Lord, over this entire Ecclesiastes series. For these next three months, Lord, would you show us Christ in the book of Ecclesiastes. Would you allow us to see the truth and message of this book in such a way that every person who hears would say, Jesus is Lord. Every person would say, Jesus is not meaningless. Jesus is not vain. So Lord, help us to see just how broken and sinful we are and just how lovely and perfect our Savior is. Well, Lord, we trust you as our shepherd. We Listen to you as our shepherd. Help us to follow you. Help us to hear your voice. Sanctify us in the truth, Lord. Your word is truth. Allow your word to be like a light to our path, like a lamp for our feet. That we might know what you have called us to do and be. and We might know who you are in all of your glory. Lord, we need your help. I pray for your help to declare the message of this book. I pray that over these next weeks and months, we would learn the message of Ecclesiastes in such a way that it would, not that we would master it, but that it would master us. And we would find ourselves living it out and enjoying life to the full. God, help us. We need you. I need you now. And I pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Church family, I thank God for you. There's no local church I would rather be loved by and cared for than this one. This is a place where God's strength is made known in many weaknesses. I mean, you just look around at us. We're not impressive by any worldly standards. Just a family of believers seeking to make Jesus known in the world, seeking to treasure Jesus as He is. Our prayer is may Jesus increase as we decrease. May the fame of Jesus rise through Miller Heights Baptist Church and may we decrease all the more. Well, this morning we begin a sermon series in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And here's the plan for today. I'm going to give a brief introduction to this book and then I'm going to read the entire book out loud. You heard me correctly. This is going to be both the best and worst sermon you have ever heard. It's going to be the worst sermon because it is going to be very hard to focus while someone reads an entire book to you. We are not used to this in our culture. This is not a habit we, are, we have cultivated in our lives. But it's going to be the best sermon because it's impossible to pack more Bible into a sermon than just simply reading the Bible. Did you know the Bible was written to be read out loud? Before every Christian had a personal Bible in their lap, which we ought to thank God for. That's a precious gift that we have so many translations, so many options available to us to read God's Word. But before every Christian had their own Bible... God's people would gather together 
And someone, a preacher, a leader, a gatherer of the assembly, would read large chunks of Scripture to the people. And it was absolutely riveting because it is the Word of God and faith comes from hearing God's Word. Specifically, there are two reasons I want to begin this series on Ecclesiastes by just reading the whole book out loud. First is because this is God's Word and it's always a blessing to hear it. And so we make no apologies for how boring in the eyes of the world compared to the latest Netflix series this is going to be. If this is your first time here with us, we make no apologies. We love God's Word here. My goal is not to impress you, but to love you well this morning. And I believe this is an expression of love towards you. But secondly, specifically, Ecclesiastes in particular lends itself to reading it all together. You see, as we move passage by passage through Ecclesiastes over the next months, the temptation is going to be to focus on the minor details and forget about the big picture of what the book is saying as a whole. The author of Ecclesiastes' stated point of the whole book doesn't come until the very end. In other words, this book was meant to be read all together. It's meant to be read with the point in view. And so I want to start this series by making sure we have exposed ourselves to the whole book and study it with the overarching point in mind as we move along on this journey. Now, as you know, Ecclesiastes is a strange book. I've found that most people who are pretty familiar with the Bible are less familiar with Ecclesiastes than most other Bible books. Ecclesiastes is part of what is known as the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, along with Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon. We are somewhat familiar with these other uh, books of the wisdom literature. We understand sort of their basic meaning, but Ecclesiastes is weird and can seem depressing. If we think of the wisdom literature of the Bible, kind of like members of our family all gathered for a family reunion, Job would be kind of like the patriarch grandfather of the family. His life experiences have made him wise and humble. He's a great person to learn from. Psalms would be like that flamboyant cousin who's into the arts. He knows music and poetry. He thinks deeply. He's traveled the world. He's been on many adventures. And, and he wears his emotions on his sleeves. Proverbs would be kind of like that trusted aunt who always seems to have the right answer to the situation and problems we're facing. She's full of practical wisdom and likes to share it with us so that we might apply it in our own journey. Song of Solomon is kind of like that younger nephew who just got married and all he can do is talk about his beloved bride. He kind of makes you sick. <laughs> but Ecclesiastes would be kind of like that crazy uncle that every family seems to have but no one knows what to do with. He's a little rough around the edges and doesn't groom himself. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Seems like he has a few screws loose. He likes to remind us that we're all going to die and that there's nothing that really matters in life. 
we don't really know what to do with that uncle, and so what we usually do is we just, we just kind of ignore him. We let him do his own thing. Well, the reason we're doing this series is to say, let's don't ignore our crazy uncle at the family reunion this fall. Let's make it a point to slow down, sit on the couch next to him, and try to think clearly about what he's saying and why he says what he says. Because believe it or not, this crazy uncle has some massive wisdom to share with us. His message is uncomfortable and it is downright painful at times. But he is speaking the truth of our glorious God. Now, leaving the family reunion illustration behind, which was questionable to begin with, Ecclesiastes has developed a bad reputation. Most people think depressing or dark or gloomy when they think of the book of Ecclesiastes. But what I would like to show you, if you would come with us on this journey over these next months, what I would like to show you in the text is is that that's not the truth about the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't think Ecclesiastes is gloomy when read correctly. I think it is realistic and profoundly so. See, I don't think the author of Ecclesiastes is wearing either morbid-leaning glasses or rose-colored glasses. But rather, I think this is a clear-eyed, realistic view of life in this fallen world. This is an exposition of what Paul means when he said, all creation has been subjected to futility. This is the exposition of that reality, of that truth. And as we will learn, in the book of Ecclesiastes... The only way to truly enjoy what God has given is when we come to terms with just how fleeting we and this world really is. There is deep joy and satisfaction to be found in the message of the book of Ecclesiastes. And so before we start reading chapter 1, verse 1, do something with me. Turn over to the very last chapter, chapter 12. And I want you to notice something with me. Now, I'm not going to get to the conclusion yet. We're going to save that for the end of our reading. But just before the conclusion, notice how this Bible book describes itself. Ecclesiastes 12, starting in verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight. And uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. And like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. So Ecclesiastes contains words of delight. That makes me want to read the whole book, does it not you? Here are words of delight and here are words of truth. This book, he says, are like goads prodding us on to spiritual maturity. They are given to us by who? By our one shepherd. 
Well, after today, no one here will be able to say they have never read this amazing little book called Ecclesiastes. It's 12 chapters long. I'm going to read the first six chapters, and then we'll take a break and sing a song, teach you a new song to sort of catch our breath, and then I'll come back and we'll read chapters 7 through 12. It should take me a little less than 30 minutes total to read all 12 chapters out loud. My suggestion would be to follow along in your copy of God's Word if you want to open the English Standard Version, the version I'm reading, the version that will be on the screen. You can find that in the pew rack in front of you. Follow along as I read this. Identify key themes and phrases that the preacher brings up. Consider how he makes the main point over and over and over again. And above all, as we read, consider how this wisdom book declares to us the glory of our breathtaking Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the greater Son of David, who is the King and Shepherd of our souls. What a privilege to read God's Word to you today. This is the authoritative Word of the living God. This is the voice of the one who is greater than Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceive that this is also but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself 
But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly and there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same events happens to them all. I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, and all, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated all my toil, which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who is toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is of vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in its toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after win. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born 
and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. That which is, already has been. That which is to be, already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust shall all return." Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors was, their, was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought of the dead who were already dead, more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who had not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after win. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and a striving after wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. 
but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay repaying it. For He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let your mouth, let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity." When goods increase, they increase to eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to its hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting It's to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun. And it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity 
it is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so the days of his life are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Whatever has come to be has already been named. And it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the, and what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Let's stand and sing this new song together. Man, be seated, please. And I'll pick back up with Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. This is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of myrrh. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of the wise is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversary, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man who prolongs his life and his evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. 
Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things which my soul has sought, out, has sought repeatedly. But I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There's no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observe while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before Him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on the earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep, and I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hands of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. 
And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that He has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toll of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time. For strength 
and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. As you, as you do not know the way that the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a Mormon with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your, youth, your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, be aware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Well, what a gift that this book ends with such a clear and concise summary in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 12. After all has been heard, this is the end of the matter. Fear God 
and keep His commandments. The preacher says this is our whole duty. Fear God and keep His commandments. And when we consider the certainty of God's judgment in verse 14, this very last book of Ecclesiastes, friends, we need to be freshly amazed that we have such a glorious Savior. Because as we, as we partake of the Lord's Supper now, we remember that judgment is what we deserve because we have not feared God. We have not kept His commandments. We have chased after all those vain and meaningless things of this life. And so as we partake of the Lord's Supper today, we remember the death of our Savior. We remember that our Savior took upon Himself the condemnation, the judgment that our evil deeds deserve. Because of our evil deeds, we deserve the judgment of God. We deserve His wrath to fall on us. But the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, took upon Himself all of our condemnation. And so Jesus, our shepherd, He's the one who said, do this in remembrance of me. He's the one who said, do this so that you would proclaim your faith in me. Your faith that what I've done is not meaningless. That the life I give you is not meaningless. What a Savior we have. Our Savior took upon Himself the judgment of our evil deeds. And so if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, if He's the shepherd of your soul, if you're willing to follow Him as His Word commands, you're invited to remember your Savior's, Savior's death by partaking of the Lord's Supper. You're invited to proclaim your faith in the dying love of your great Savior. But if you're not trusting in Jesus, if Jesus isn't your King, if He's not the center of your life, if you're not willing to do what He says, then please do not partake of these elements today. The Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 11 that if we eat and drink unworthily, we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. And so, if you're not trusting in Jesus, please do not partake of these elements, but rather just use this time to pray and ask God to help you see your sin, to help you see the judgment that you deserve, and to help you see what a Savior the Lord Jesus is. So we're going to take a few moments now. The music team is going to come and play, sing, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And let's take this moment to examine ourselves, to look at how we've not feared God, how we've not kept His commandments. And at the same time, look upward and outward to the Savior who died on the cross. Survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. And as you do, take time to pour contempt on all your pride. And then after the song, I'll come back up and we will partake of these elements together.